You are Locked On Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Wednesday episode, as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Glad to have you listening in, whether this is your first time checking out Locked On Seahawks or you're a regular listener. Glad to have you on board. We've got a jam-packed episode, as always, coming your way. We're going to look at a few free agents that are still on the market that may interest the Seahawks before training camp. We're going to continue our 90-player countdown in the trenches today with Puna Ford and Gabe Jackson. Make sure to check out the Locked On Fantasy Podcast hosted by Vinny Iyer of the Sporting News. Winning your league starts with the right data, and Vinny Iyer provides you the edge you need in your fantasy football leagues. Locked On Fantasy Football is a daily podcast all year round, so your fantasy team never fails. Subscribe to the Locked On Fantasy Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. Yesterday, Rob, we were talking about the possibility of the Seahawks maybe taking a look at Patriots receiver Nikhil Harry, who has reportedly requested a trade out of New England. Let's stick with the topic of receiver help, but we're going to go back to an old friend. Josh Gordon, according to Adam Schefter at ESPN, has applied for reinstatement. It feels like this is a yearly storyline going into training camp, but according to Schefter, Gordon has been tested regularly the last three months and has passed all of his tests. So that is a good sign considering the way things played out last year as Gordon tried to get back on the field for the Seahawks and you have to believe if he is given an opportunity again he is reinstated once more by the NFL the Seahawks stuck with him last year you've got to wonder if Pete Carroll and company will be willing to give him one more chance in 2021 I I think that they might Um, and let's just start off with the the obvious factor here Corbin I mean just uh, kudos to Josh Gordon if he has in fact got his life in order then this is obviously a story that uh, that is even bigger than than Seattle Seahawks and the NFL and all of that um, you know and so I, I hope that that is indeed the case um, I think that there are 32 NFL teams out there who would be interested in an athlete like Josh Gordon if they were absolutely guaranteed that he was going to stick to the straight and narrow and his issues with repeated failed drug tests going all the way back to college at Baylor, one of the reasons why he was in the supplemental draft in the first place, if those are in fact in the rearview mirror, then again, you're talking about a 6'3", 225-pounder. I, I love that you mentioned Nikhil Harry. It's the exact same size that Nikhil Harry has. And Nikhil Harry, of course, has has never been nearly as productive, productive Excuse me, as Josh Gordon has been at times throughout his career. Now, this is not the same player that wound up leading all of the NFL and receiving yards way back in 2013. But at the same time, again, he he is only 30 years old. He has already demonstrated an immediate rapport with Russell Wilson during the the limited playing time that he had with the Seahawks. So, yeah, I think that it would be a a very intriguing signing for Seattle, at least somebody for John Schneider and Pete Carroll to be keeping tabs on at this point. And we've talked about this several times. Obviously, last year was crazy because Josh Gordon was suspended at the end of the 2019 season. It was after their Week 15 game in Carolina, and all of us reporters knew that something was going on because Josh Gordon is normally uh, pretty talkative with reporters, willing to speak with us, and he was being very shut off. So it was clear 
coming out of that game, something was going down. And then the next day, the NFL suspended him, did not play another game for the Seahawks. They re-signed him on a one-year deal. And nothing happened until December. Last December, he was conditionally reinstated by the league. They gave him a few weeks to start getting back in shape with the team, practicing. And he was supposed to be eligible heading into their Week 16 game against the Rams. But unfortunately, never got out of the practice field and who knows what caused him to fail his tests or what conditions were not met, but he ultimately was suspended again, and he remains suspended now. So he did not play a single game for the Seahawks last year. It's been the story of his career. He's been suspended so many times, just has not been able to get his life in order and, and beat this addiction. And I'm pulling for him. I'm always pulling for Josh Gordon. I think he's I think he's a really good kid. I've I've heard this from other reporters that have covered him with other teams too. Uh, he's a likable guy that just unfortunately has not been able to get past this. And so part of me wants him to just be focusing on that and move on from football, but at the same time, he is such a dynamic talent. And again, you mentioned he's only 30 years old. He's still not an old receiver by any means. And the five games he played for the Seahawks in 2019, it looked like he was starting to really put it together, aside from that ugly interception that he threw on that fake receiver pass play. Uh, it looked like he was really starting to figure things out. He caught that bomb, and it was one of the best catches I've ever seen on his yes. fingertips in that game against Carolina. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get to see him make any more plays for the Seahawks, did not play for them last year. So I'm pulling for him. If the Seahawks give him another opportunity, I think it makes sense. Russell Wilson would love to have him around and, with Tamori and Terry no longer being on the roster, I think he was the big receiver they were hoping might be able to sneak in and steal a roster spot. Josh Gordon can still fill that void. If he's your number four or number five receiver, that's great depth for you on the outside for Russell Wilson in this passing game. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Corbin, that he I think that Josh Gordon, whether it be in Seattle or anywhere else, would be likely competing for one of those very last spots on the roster. This is not somebody that ha has demonstrated that you can rely on him, unfortunately. And so, yeah, I think that, that that's what I mean. I think every team in the NFL, even the teams that have the most loaded receiving core, I think that Seattle is among them, certainly Kansas City and some of the other uh, teams out there are absolutely loaded the receiver positions. But regardless, that there's just very few athletes who have the type of size, the speed, the the body control and sticky hands that uh, that you just referenced that, that Josh Gordon possesses. And again, if he can keep his life straight, I mean, the hunger has always been there. I mean, it was it's it's pretty rare that you see a wide receiver come in to a new offense and make the immediate impact that he did. Now, statistically. When you look at what he did with Seattle, and he caught seven balls for 139 yards, never did catch a touchdown. So it, it for those people who are just going to focus in on the statistics, they'd say, you know, Ryan, you're crazy. He didn't make any kind of, of a statistical uh, you know, impact in the game. But if you watch the game, you could just see the way that the defense had to adjust to account for Gordon. He is that dynamic of a talent. And, of course, when you pair him with the superstars that Seattle already has on the outside and DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, the, the possible uh, ascending talents that you have, you know, we've already talked about a little bit before with Gerald Everett and, of course, Dwayne Eskridge, it, this really could be an explosive offense. And I think that that is exactly the type of thing that a young man like Josh Gordon might need to keep him interested, keep him focused, uh, and, and perhaps go on to even bigger things uh, in, in 2021. 
I haven't checked his Instagram recently, so I don't know if he's still in the Pacific Northwest, but I know all of last year he stayed out here. I know he enjoyed his brief time playing for the Seahawks, and so if that door remains open, I think both sides would love to give it one more shot. And you mentioned the impact on the field. I know the stats don't show it with just seven receptions, but he made a couple of critical third down catches in that Monday night win over the 49ers two years ago, and that was his debut with the team. That is something this Seahawks offense badly could have used last year is that guy that can just move the chains. That's a reliable third down target. We've talked about Gerald Everett being that guy, Josh Gordon, maybe that's what he can provide your offense. Again, he's got to show that he can be reliable. He has not been able to do that in his career, but the Seahawks are always willing to take chances. And again, Josh Gordon, I think is a really good person that just unfortunately has not been able to get, past this addiction issue that he's been dealing with his entire life. If he can do that, you can keep him in order. It's a player that is worth having around. So I expect that the Seahawks will at least discuss this internally if he becomes available again, maybe bring him back into the fold for the 2021 season. When we come back in the second quarter, speaking of street-free agents, we're going to be talking about a couple other players that remain available to the Seahawks may have some interest in pursuing before the start of training camp. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, joined by Rob Rang. We are less than four weeks from training camp kicking off at the VMAC 2021 season, quickly approaching There are a lot of really good free agents still remaining on the market. And obviously, we have talked to the point of exhaustion about K.J. Wright and Richard Sherman potentially coming back to Seattle. So we are going to bypass revisiting those topics. If the Seahawks want to sign either one of those players, then they can make it happen. We have explored every angle of a possible reunion with either one of those players. But there are other players still on the market who could make sense for Seattle. They do currently have a roster spot after releasing Tamori and Terry last week. So they have the flexibility to add players. They have a little over $8 million in cap space currently. So with some of these veterans that are still out there, Seattle's got enough money that they might be able to lure one more quality player in, maybe even two, before the start of the 2021 season. So what we're going to do here, Rob, you and I are going to pick two players apiece looking at the vast array of free agents that are still out there. The lowered salary cap has played a big part in this with so many veterans still being out there on the market. But you and I are going to pick two players that we think would be good fits for the Seahawks to at least bring into training camp. Both guys that I've got are players that I think could make the 53-man roster and be impact players for the Seahawks potentially. But you and I are going to be picking two players here that would make sense for Seattle to potentially bring in Who's the first one on your list? Well, I, I think you have to start off with just the, you know, looking at it from a Seahawk perspective and what they have always done in the 
past Corbin and they have always been willing to roll the dice on on dynamic talents highly drafted players who are young but that haven't had the you know the greatest of success in the NFL so far um, we've seen them take that strategy before so I am just going to mention two players really quickly that I would just kind of be kicking the tires on they're both very young they both have had their issues in the NFL for vastly different reasons the one being the former Stanford superstar um, and the running back Bryce Love. And, and so Br- Bryce Love, you know, is still just 23 years old, Corbin. But I mean, he was absolute, you know, star at Stanford. Uh, he is not the biggest back at, at 5'10", 195 pounds, but he, he does have some wiggle to him. He does have underrated power. And I still personally have some concerns about Seattle in their third down running back Uh you know, type of situation. So to me, Bryce Love would be one of those backs that I'd be kicking the tires on. There's a lot of backs that have similar talents. Duke Johnson's available. TJ Yeldon's available. Chris Thompson's available. There's lots of backs out there. I'd also mention Isaiah Wilson, the offensive tackle that was drafted in the first round two years ago by Tennessee. Miami gave him another opportunity after some off-field issues, forced his release from the Titans. And in both cases, he flamed out. But still, He's 22 years old. He's 6'7", 340 pounds. He could be the long-term answer at the right tackle position if Seattle wanted to go that route. But to go back to your initial question, I apologize for kind of hijacking the conversation for a moment, but you kind of referenced like, you know, guys that, that, that Seattle has a little bit of cap space. Maybe go think big. Rather than thinking about those diamond in the rough kind of guys that that might be able to make your roster, let's look about some guys, look at some players who are a little bit more established. And to me, the most established player uh, that's basically available, other than the aforementioned Richard Sherman and a few others like Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley, Larry Fitzgerald, but would be Jarrell Casey, a guy that Pete Carroll, of course, can be very familiar with their time together at USC, a five-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle was at Tennessee, got traded to the Denver Broncos. And with, with the Denver Broncos, of course, their head coach is Vic Fangio, who has always been a disciple or, or a big fan of that 3-4 that scheme. Jarrell Casey, 6'1", 305 pounds. That's not really his game. And so he gets traded to, to Denver. He only plays a couple of games before he tears his biceps and he's out for the year. And, and Denver cuts him in a, in a cost-saving move here this past uh, you know offseason. To me, he is exactly the type of penetrating three tech defensive tackle that that I think that Seattle still has a little bit of a concern about. I'm a big fan of, of Puna Ford, but if you are looking for a player that you may want to shovel a little bit of money to, it might be able to make a significant impact, then a 10-year vet who I think still has something left in the tank and Jarrell Casey might be exactly the way to go. I'm going to start on the offensive side of the football, and it's funny that we keep talking about receivers because you and I both agree that receiver is a position of strength for the Seahawks. Maybe it's the deepest position for them, but in today's NFL, you can never have too many weapons on the outside, and this is one of those cases where a player that's coming off a severe injury, you can buy low with potentially high reward, and I've talked about him a couple other times during the uh, offseason, but D.D. Westbrook, former Oklahoma star, had decent numbers with the Jaguars, despite the fact that we know their quarterback situation has been shaky at best since he entered the league a few years ago. Over 1,700 receiving yards, nine touchdowns in his first three seasons. He's a dynamic athlete, a smaller receiver, but you can run routes with him on the outside and in the slot. He can return kicks and punts. 
He has been getting a little bit of interest from some teams recently. He's not 100% healthy yet, but all the reports that I've read indicate that he should be fully ready for football in August. And so I think his time to sign with the team is coming. I think it would make sense, especially with Tamori and Terry now being released. The Seahawks are going to have an intense competition going on for the fourth and fifth, maybe even sixth receiver spot on their roster with his special teams ability and the fact that we're talking about a guy that can hit some home runs for you, an explosive athlete, as long as he's healthy. D.D. Westbrook is only 27 years old. I am taking that chance there, and I'm bringing him into training camp and seeing what he's still got left. If he's fully healthy, then he can push Freddie Swain potentially for that fourth receiver spot. He might even push Dwayne Eskridge. That's the type of athlete and talent that we're talking about here, and he's never had a quarterback even close to Russell Wilson's caliber throwing to him. And so D.D. Westbrook is a player that I would be buying low on in a one-year prove deal coming up that injury that I think could pay dividends for them in 2021. No, I think that's an excellent point. And it's it's the ability to stop receivers like D.D. Westbrook is who uh, is what's going to lead to to my next player I wanted to highlight. Um, you know, it's like you said, I mean, there, there's just so many dynamic wide receivers who are out there that, uh, you know, NFL teams, of course, have to try and find somebody who can stop them. And the cornerback, Steven Nelson, um, who was released similar to uh, Denver releasing Jarrell Casey, the Pittsburgh Steelers released Steven Nelson. Um, this was a former third round pick out of Oregon State by the Kansas City Chiefs. He was a starter almost immediately in Kansas City, signs a pretty big deal in, in Pittsburgh, was a starter for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He is not the classic Seahawks cornerback. Um, he's roughly 5'11, 195 pounds. I think he's got 30 inch arms. He doesn't have the 32 inch arms. He's not real big on ball skills. I believe he has seven career interceptions, but he plays with that physicality and that tenacity that you and I have talked about so many times, Corbin, is you know just almost as much of uh, a requirement to play cornerback for the Seahawks as those 32-inch arms and, and all of those other athletic traits and measurables that we've referenced before. So to me, Steven Nelson is another one who, uh, he's only 28 years old. He is going to sign with the NFL team at some point. He and Drell Casey both, I believe, firmly will, will wind up signing with some club uh, here before the, you know, the beginning of training camp or, or shortly into training camp. And I think that they still have enough left in the tank without the injury concerns um, that, uh, that that might be able to help with a team immediately. Going to the defensive side of the football, I've been looking at Alden Smith's situation, and we talked about it on the show last week. Nobody knows what's going to happen with his latest legal issue in New Orleans. He has yet to be arraigned. He was supposed to be last week. That's been postponed. So, there's a lot of uncertainty there. Pete Carroll seemed optimistic about his chances of being able to participate in training camp. He was at the team facility during mandatory minicamp, but he did not participate in the actual practices. He was just trying to get his way back into shape. And so I just think that at this point, the Seahawks have to be fully prepared to not have him. And yes, he was a luxury signing with some of the other additions that they made, but you can still go out and get a proven veteran pass rusher right now without having to worry about the baggage. And I know the Seahawks want to see this through with Alden Smith, and he's a big-time talent when he's on the field. But Justin Houston is still available. And Justin Houston, I think there's some people out there that think, oh, you know, he's 31 going on 32. He's way past his prime. He can't rush the quarterback anymore. He has 19 sacks the last two years for the Indianapolis Colts. He is still a very productive player. 
maybe not the athlete at this point that Alden Smith still is, but he's a guy that can pin his ears back. He, he's a shrewd veteran that knows how to work offensive linemen, work in his pass rushing moves, develop a pass rushing plan. He knows how to get after the quarterback. So if the Seahawks are still wanting another veteran that can get two QBs in the NFC West. Justin Houston is still there for the taking, and you don't have to worry about the off-field baggage with him either. And so I was just looking at this free agent list and thinking, that's a guy at this point, the Seahawks would be idiotic not to look into trying to sign him. Even with Alden Smith's situation, you just can't count on him at this point. Yeah, it's kind of like we talked about with the running back position, Corbin, and wide receiver as well. There, there are just so many big names uh, available. And I, I love that you mentioned Justin Houston. He has been the most productive of the edge rushers out there. But the list of aging edge rushers who are still available is, is pretty eye-popping. Um, you, you mentioned, of course, Justin Houston, um, but also guys like like Melvin Ingram, um, Adrian Claiborne. Uh, there, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. When we return for the third quarter, we're going to continue our 90-player countdown. We're going to move into the top 10 with Puna Ford and Gabe Jackson. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Are you looking for a way to boost your workout game? Are you seeking a delicious protein bar without the sugar and carbs? Enter in the Built Bar, 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Some of the best ones, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple almond crisp, peanut butter, double chocolate. You're going to have a tough time eating just one. These bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft, easy to chew. It's great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for a keto diet. Remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Welcome back to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by Rob Rang. We are finally into the top 10 on our 90-player countdown. We've done 80 players to this point. Now we're to number 10 and number 9. Two players are going to be crucial to Seattle's chances of advancing into the postseason for different reasons. Starting on the defensive side of the football, at number 10, he was an undrafted signee out of Texas going into the 2018 season. Now Puna Ford is one of the best young defensive tackles in the NFL. He's got a new two-year contract in tow. He gets paid. Gets a nice raise, and he's going to be able to hit the market in a couple years, still in the private career, with a real chance to cash in. It really was a win-win for the Seahawks and the player when you consider the salary cap constraints that every team in the league was dealing with. For Ford to get that quality deal without necessarily breaking the bank, and then two years from now he gets a new contract. But this is going to be the year that he really starts to prove how great of a player he can be where we can really see what that ceiling looks like. And the Seahawks need him to play at that level because Jaron Reed is no longer on the roster. He's in Kansas city. And we've talked about this several times, Rob, but the thing that has really jumped out looking at last season at at the way that Puna Ford finished the year, we had seen him ever since he stepped into the league. He was a dominant run defender, his quickness, his ability to get into gaps and get in the backfield wrap up running backs. We've seen that since his rookie year. He's been a dominant run defender. Pro Football Focus has given him a top grade in that category every year he's been in the league. But despite his athleticism, we really didn't see the pass rushing aspect come out until 
the second half last year. And, and a lot of it coincided with when they had Damon Harrison briefly on the team. They were able to play him more at the three-tech position, and that's when we started to see the pass rush coming. He finished the year with a career-high 28 quarterback pressures, had to, only two sacks, but that undersells how dominant he was getting after quarterbacks the second half. He was a nuisance. He was consistently penetrating the pocket, and now you got to hope that some of those pressures can turn into additional sacks to make up for the loss of Jaron Reed. If that happens, he's got a chance to be potentially a Pro Bowl caliber player this year for the Seahawks in 2021. Yeah, he, in a lot of ways, Corbin, he reminds me of the player I just mentioned here in the second quarter in Jarrell Casey. And I think that, that that Puna Ford can be a seven to eight to nine sack kind of a guy. Um, you know, you, you mentioned the fact that he only was credited with two sacks a year ago, but was, you know, so much more productive in terms of quarterback pressures. I really think that you are going to see those numbers uh, start to, to flip around a little bit and you're going to see, um, you know, Ford be able to get home a little bit more often as Seattle's pass rush improves with a healthy Daryl Taylor, a full year of, of Carlos Dunlap and Jamal Adams, of course. I, I really do think that you are going to see those numbers spread out a little bit. Um, you know, and it's funny, you mentioned Jarrell Casey and, and Puna Ford because it's another Seahawk, actually, at a different position who, in a lot of ways, when I was evaluating Puna Ford coming out of Texas, he reminded me of Russell Wilson. And the reason why I say that is because he had everything except height. And, and people sometimes, talent evaluators, scouts out there, that they will focus in on the silliest things. They will let one trait basically overwhelm everything else that your eyes are seeing. And with Puna Ford, you mentioned his initial quickness. He's got incredibly long arms, too, for a man at 5'10", 310 pounds. Russell Wilson has massive hands for a quarterback of, of his height, and those massive hands help him a lot. Puna Ford's explosiveness and his length um, – um, for his frame, make him very, very disruptive in, in the middle. And so, yeah, I, I think that, um, that that this is a young, ascending player. And how exciting is it to, to be talking about the, the, the 10 best Seahawks, basically, in our rankings here? And you're talking about a guy who is still just ascending at one of the game's premium positions. He's a former undrafted free agent. Kudos to the Seahawks um, for, for already rewarding him um, because I think that sends a message throughout the rest of the locker room to everybody that if you work as hard as Puna Ford has, then you also can be rewarded. And I, I agree with you, Corb. I, I think that he uh, is going to reward the Seahawks and Seahawks fans as well by having a, a breakout season of sorts this upcoming campaign. And you touched on this a little bit on yesterday's episode. We're seeing kind of a change the guard in how the league is approaching trying to pressure opposing quarterbacks. For a long time, it's been, can we get that outside rush? And that's still valuable, but Having defensive tackles that can create chaos up the middle, that is really the secret to getting after players like Patrick Mahomes. You put them off their spot early in the down, and you create chaos. And blitzing linebackers in the middle. We're just seeing more pressure coming from the middle in general, and teams are valuing that. So pass-rushing defensive tackles are going to continue to be at a premium. And so Puna Ford, in a couple of years, with the way the league is trending – He's going to be setting himself up favorably for a big contract in 2023 with the Seahawks or another team if he is able to turn some of those pressures into sacks and prove himself to be a viable interior pass rusher. So there's, you know, from Seattle's standpoint for this year, if he's able to do that, that's going to be a big boon for their defense. It's going to be a big boon for his 
wallet as well here in a couple of years. If he's able to prove he can really get after quarterbacks and rack up sacks in the interior, he is going to get paid good money in a couple of years. So again, I think this potentially sets up as a win-win for both the player and the team with that short-term deal. He's going to get the opportunity now to play that three-tech position. We'll see if he's able to turn up the heat on quarterbacks like Jaron Reed did that position over the last several seasons. Now flipping over to the offensive side of the football, Russell Wilson, obviously we have talked tons about his comments about getting hit too much and wanting help on the offensive line in Seattle made one major move this offseason, and that was trading for Gabe Jackson, bringing in the veteran out of Mississippi State. He's played his entire career with Oakland and Las Vegas, the Raiders up to this point, and he's been one of the league's best pass protectors at the guard position basically since day one. His first two years in the league, he was playing on the left side and did an outstanding job protecting the quarterback, and then he's played the last several seasons at the right guard position, and that's where he's going to be playing for the Seahawks. But don't underestimate him as a run blocker either. I think in a system that is maybe going to have a bit more gap-related schemes, they're still going to be running a lot of zone. But if they're going to mix and match what Mike Solari wants to do with what Shane Waldron wants to do, and there are going to be plays Gabe Jackson can really just pummel defenders on the other side of the ball and drive them off the ball, I think we could see improvements from him as a run blocker as well. I think he can. Um, you know, he's, this is a man who's 6'3", 330 pounds. And, uh, you know, going back to watching him back at Mississippi State, I mean, this was a guy who could physically just maul people at the point of attack. And, you know, I, I haven't watched a lot of Raiders football over the last couple of years. And, and to, you know, I so I, as far as Gabe Jackson, I, I can't tell you that I've watched every snap that, that he has played. Um, but what I have seen is a guy who, despite his weight, is still, very balanced um it does have good initial quickness um has a positional versatility to play on both sides of course the guard position um and uh and then again ha- has the power that you're looking for as well now let me give you a couple of reasons why i am a little concerned from a seattle perspective because i, I think that it's really easy to to just fall in love with the idea that, that the seahawks brought in a former pro bowl guard and suddenly all of russell wilson's concerns all seahawk fans concerns in terms of pass protection are just now been solved. So last year, of course, uh, Gabe Jackson played all 16 games for the Raiders. But each of the three years prior prior to that, he missed at least a game or two um, due to a couple of due to injuries. And so though that's a little bit concerning, considering that by the time he actually suits up for the Seahawks, Gabe Jackson is going to be 30 years old. The other thing I would mention is that the AFC West division, where of course Gabe Jackson was becoming a Pro Bowler for the Raiders, does not have a dominant group of defensive tackles. They, the most of the pass rushers in that division, at least in my opinion, are on the outside. And now he's going to come to a division that is absolutely loaded with very good defensive tackles. And not just Aaron Donald, but this kid Kinlaw in San Francisco, I I think is about to become a monster. Um, And and so I, I do, I would mention that at the same time, I think that with Gabe Jackson and Damian Lewis, the Seahawks have the two best guards that they've had in a long, long time. And so the potential is through the roof. uh, And I think that it absolutely warrants Gabe Jackson being listed among the 10 best Seahawks at this point in our, our kind of countdown here. At the same time, I also think that, um, you know, that it is going to be interesting. It is a little bit of a gamble here that Seattle is, is rolling with Gabe Jackson. I'm very curious to see how much of an impact he's actually able to have for the Seahawks. 
For a fifth round pick, though, you were clearly exactly. making a major upgrade bringing in Gabe Jackson. So even if he's not able to play at a Pro Bowl level, this is a guy that has consistently been one of the best guards in terms of not giving up sacks. Last year, he gave up more pressures than he had in previous seasons, but Pro Football Focus did not give him a sack did not credit him with one last year. So Russell Wilson would be very excited knowing yeah. that. This is a guy that has consistently been able to keep his quarterbacks clean. And if he's able to do that, then he's well worth the price. And they got an extension with him too. So they upgraded their offensive line for beyond 2021. Might be a situation where, kind of like Dwayne Brown, they're hoping that Gabe Jackson can play here for a long time and maybe finish his career in Seattle. So now you've got two established veterans on that offensive line with some of the other young talent they've got up front. They should be feeling pretty good about that group, even in this vaunted NFC West division with all the pass rushing talent that the other three teams bring to the table in this division. Make sure to check out the Locked On Today podcast hosted by Peter Bukowski. He updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts all in under 20 minutes. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the all-new Odyssey app. That's A-U-D-A-C-Y. To close out our week on our Thursday episode, we'll be tackling your mailbag questions and continuing our 90-player countdown with numbers 8 and 7. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.